Our reading is taken from Matthew chapter 18, starting at the first verse. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as he would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Amen. Well, now we come to this uh, teasing question this morning of what is church? And most of our teaching on church comes from the New Testament. And a lot of it we pick up from the stories in Acts and then the letters to churches later in the New Testament. It's not often that we go to the Gospels 
to find out anything about church. There's a very good reason for that. The word church is only used in the Gospels on two occasions. One was when Jesus was talk talking with Peter at Caesarea Philippi. And Peter, uh, you know, when Jesus was saying, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter said, you will be, uh, from now on, you will be Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. That phrase comes in Matthew chapter 16. But then also here in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talks about the church. And he talks about it in a number of different ways. And that's why I'm focusing on this slightly unusual passage for this morning as we think about church. Very grateful to what Martin did in just opening up two very important aspects of church. That we are a gathering of people who come to support one another. And when there is that togetherness, then in those times of difficulty and struggle, there is great strength. That's so, so important. And we bring different gifts, different parts of the sandwich all come into the picture of church. But fundamentally this morning, I'm not thinking so much about what we might do or don't do as a church, but what is church? What is it? If you look for a dictionary definition, invariably you'll come across something about a building. If you Google the word church and look for images, it will always be church buildings. But, of course, we know that that's not fundamentally the case. A Christian dictionary will say something different. We'll possibly note that the word church in English comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia in Greek simply means those who have been called out. Ek is for out. Klesia is the participle of kalio, which is a verb that means to call, to call out. Those who have been called out and called together and called to be God's people. Now here in Matthew chapter 18, the context is dealing with things that have gone wrong in church. But actually, I believe that some of the most significant words about church are also kind of tucked away in this passage. In verse 20, where Jesus says, where two or three Come together in my name, there am I. That's it. That is the heart of church. That we come in the name of Jesus and he is here. That is what faith is all about. That is what coming together is all about. That we acknowledge that we meet in the presence of Jesus Christ. We'll come back to those words and indeed to the whole passage in just a few moments. But I wonder if someone asked you, how would you describe church? If you were asked, what's church all about? Would you talk about a building? Would you talk about a program of events? Would you talk about an act of worship? Would you talk about an organization? Would you talk about a charity? Would you talk about a group of people? There's some truth in all of those answers. And yet none of them really quite take us to the heart of church. And the heart of church is something to do with Jesus himself, the living Lord, right at the center of his people. That's the key to it. And if that bit goes missing, all the rest will go pear-shaped. Jesus at the center 
is all important. So how does Jesus describe church from this passage in Matthew chapter 18? Interesting that Matthew 18 begins by talking about the kingdom of heaven. And then further on, it talks about church. Are they both the same? Well, not entirely. But they, there is a seamless movement between them in this passage. And therefore, I think we can quite rightly say that what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of heaven in this uh, particular context here, he's also saying about the church of Jesus Christ. And in a nutshell, in these verses, it seems to me that Jesus is describing church in three ways. He's describing it as an upside-down kingdom where the least are the greatest. And then he's describing it as a community of people where those people matter. Where people come first and where we need to do a number of things. And this passage touches on a few things and they're quite complicated so we can't go into them in too much detail. But it talks about avoiding stumbling blocks. Noticing those who are drifting. Handling disagreements carefully. It's all to do with people and how you deal with people. But ultimately, here's a passage that is saying that this is a community with Jesus at the center. And the essence of church is you, me, and Jesus. And it's out of that grows our life of worship and mission, our resources and our program. There's been some discussion in recent times about what you might call an ecclesial minimum. Ecclesia is another word that's for church. The ecclesial minimum, what is the very most basic thing that could make a church? What are the minimum requirements for a church to exist? Strip it right back. What has to be there? Now, I could come running around with a, a, a microphone to get your ideas on this this morning, but... Uh, that rather spoil this whole idea of isolating and being a bit careful, so we'll ditch that. What has to be there? Well, people have to be there, don't they? If there are no people, there can't be a church. I think we could say that Scripture has to be there, because that is what God has given to us, is his word that shapes and directs the community that we are. It's quite clear that Jesus has to be there, and it's quite clear that there has to be some sense of belonging together. And some essence of worship and prayer, because that is how faith is nurtured. And out of that comes some form of discipleship and mission. And maybe some level of leadership that keeps some oversight of that. But it can be very, very varied. Church does not have to be in any particular mode, model or mold. It can look very different, it can feel very different in lots of different communities, as it does indeed, of course, across the country and across the world. There are some questionable things. Is it essential to have a building? I think we all know that that's not the case. Is it essential to have sacraments? Some part of the church believe that you have to have the sacraments of baptism and communion 
Is that utterly essential? Probably my view would be that it's very important, but it doesn't quite sit in the same essential place as you, me, and Jesus. Does there have to be music? It's great when we can sing God's praises. We've missed it so much for a long while, and now we're enjoying it. But if our music was silenced, would the church suddenly disappear? I don't think so. Does there have to be programs for this, that, and the other? All of which is so valuable. But some of them can be stripped back because it's not the heart of church. So let's look a little bit more closely at what Jesus says in this passage because I think it's really helpful to us. Let me say a little bit more about that the church is where the least are the greatest. Matthew 18 and verse 1. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child and put them among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's a huge difference between being childish and childlike. Being childlike is being a person of humble faith, trusting in what Christ has done for us. That dependence on God's grace, which is exactly the same for all of us. And that is essential as we think about church. From the hymn Rock of Ages, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. That sense of helplessness and of dependence upon God for forgiveness, for life, for direction, for hope. In a few days' time, all being well, uh, our group will be visiting Bethlehem, and one of the places that we go to is the Church of the Nativity. It has been built over what is traditionally thought to be the site where Jesus was born. Some of the sites in Israel are quite authentic, and you know you're going to the right place. Some of them are a little bit less so, uh, and I think... The authenticity on this site could be questioned. But uh, it's a very moving space to go to. Interestingly, to get into the Church of the Nativity, you have to go through a four-foot door. So most people have to stoop down. And for some people, it's actually quite awkward to get in there. But it's just the right height for a child, isn't it? And that was deliberate when this ancient church was built. Because it was trying to express that sense of humility as we come into the presence of Jesus Christ. These words of Jesus say that we all have to come to God in the same way. But I think they also say that those whom the wider world may see as least are those whom God sees as greatest. There's a bit of an upside down thing going on here. Who is really important in the church? And the answer as far as God is concerned is those whom the world might consider to be the least important. And as I reflect on my own ministry over the years, I have a real regret here that I've not placed sufficient emphasis on those who might be described as marginalized or disadvantaged in any way. I still wonder how inclusive we are how accessible we are, how much our community reflects that upside-down kingdom value that Jesus is talking about here. 
This is a profound element of church. Not what we do, but who we are, who we value, who is important. The least are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Hold on to that about church. And hear also from Jesus that church is a place where people matter so much. Jesus is providing here a number of warnings about uh, our behavior towards other people. Be careful not to cause people to stumble. It's very different from people getting upset. You might get upset over something and getting upset might be partly to do with who you are and it might also partly to do with what the other person has done. But upsets need to be resolved and worked through. But stumbling blocks are different. Stumbling blocks are where you're putting a barrier against someone growing in their faith and coming closer to Jesus. And that is dangerous. And that draws from Jesus the most profound warning, stern words, blocking the spiritual growth of someone else is incredibly damaging in the kingdom of God. If we're to capture a Jesus-shaped church, it's got to be a place where the least are the most important. It's got to be a place where those who are growing in faith are nurtured and encouraged and protected. And Jesus also says something about those who are drifting. I know I'm moving quite swiftly and only touching on this passage. There's so much here. But he talks about a hundred sheep and one goes astray. People stop engaging in church for a number of different reasons. And not always drifting. Sometimes because people will deliberately choose to move to a different location, to connect with a different congregation for various reasons. But there are those who just begin to drift. Just begin to lose the way. They're the ones that Jesus is talking about when he uses the picture of the hundred sheep and one has gone astray. The focus of Jesus' concern is for those who've lost spiritual anchors. And I think that's an important area in our life and ministry now. Kind of sense that my own time in this area of ministry is running out far too quickly. But it's our shared responsibility to reach out to those who are finding the way hard at the moment and gathering together because church is where people matter. Church is where there have to be careful conversation around disagreements. And there's quite a lot in this passage about disagreements. That honesty within community That one-to-one resolution, which is always the best, wherever possible, always one-to-one. Because as soon as you bring in witnesses, it's never so good. It's always harder. And engaging in the whole community over dispute is incredibly painful and makes reconciliation harder still. So be careful where there are disagreements. You see, these are practical words, aren't they? About a body of people coming together because church is where people matter. But for me, what's most important 
as I listen and I read these words, is that church is where Jesus is central. Church is where Jesus is central. Where two or three come together in my name, there am I, says Jesus. It's not a deflating word for a small congregation. It's the most powerful promise for every congregation. We're gathering in the name of Jesus. He is here. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We seek the glory of God. That, in essence, is church. Christ among us is the most powerful influence in the world. The life of God among his people. Becky spoke last week about a Jesus-shaped church. As the Father has sent me, in the same way I am sending you, said Jesus to his first disciples, and he says it again to us today. And I think that in the reshaping of church for, for a new generation and for a new season, this is our starting point, that Jesus is alive, that his spirit is here, that we gather in his name, that all the structures and the programs that sit within church life are indeed important, but none of them bring us to the true heart of church. The true heart of church is that God himself, almighty God, through the person of Jesus Christ, has come into the world and comes now in the power of his spirit and dwells within us and brings this community to life. The key is Jesus, and it is only Jesus. Church is where Jesus is central. There's an awful lot more about church elsewhere in the New Testament, and we'll come to some of it in the weeks that lie ahead. But just for now, from these words of Jesus, hold on to these fundamental truths about church. It is where the least are the greatest. It is where people matter. But supremely, it is where Jesus is central. We will never change the world by going to church. We will only change the world by being church. By being church. So it's not what you do, either here on a Sunday morning or for the rest of the week. It's who you are. And you and I together are God's people. And Jesus is our focus. So pause now and take a breath. Just think to yourself, why am I here today? Have I just come because this is an event that I often come to? It's part of my habit, my routine. Is that why I'm here? What is it about church which is interesting you and capturing your heart? What matters most in your experience of church today and every day? It needs to be this, that as we gather together, the risen Christ comes among us. And he wants to renew your life and heart and fill you again with his spirit and give you his direction and his purpose. And where life is hard, we support one another. We do that together. And we each have different gifts to bring into the mix as the Spirit of God enables. But fundamentally, Christ is here. And he is Lord 
And at the end of the day, it's his church, not ours. We're part of his kingdom now. So I hope that as we move on into singing and prayer, we'll be able to respond to some of those thoughts. And uh, the next two songs and the prayers between them will sit well with this. And help us to realize that whatever else happens within and among our church community, the essence of church remains quite clearly that we are a people called out by God, that Jesus is the center. I'd like you to notice especially the use of we in the song that we're about to sing. There's I is there as well. The personal bit is there in the chorus and the bridge sections of the song, but the verses are in the plural. So as you sing we, just remember that that is what we're affirming together in the presence of God today. Let's stand ready to sing.